Hello, guys. Hello. Welcome back to, I guess this is episode two now of Too Much. We've decided we still want to continue the conversation that's going on right now um, regarding Black Lives Matter, Black Indigenous people in of color in the States, in Canada. And we had this idea. We were going to do this today, but when we realized we were only giving people two days to get their submissions in. Basically, if you're a black indigenous person of color listening, we would love to have local people to show that racism is very relevant in the Fraser Valley in Victoria. Um, But you can be from wherever. And if you'd like to share your story on the podcast, maybe you want to share your story. Obviously, don't feel obligated to relive all the horrible things that have happened to you. But if you'd like to share your story or some of your story, if you'd just like to share how you're feeling right now, if you have anything you want to tell anybody um, who's listening on the podcast, you can send a voice recording to the too much podcast at gmail.com and we'll go through them and post them and share them on next week's episode, which will air on june 17th yes you can you can send them and they will be included in next week's episode on wednesday june 17th if you get those in by saturday june 13th at 10 a.m then we will have time to get them into next week's podcast so we also just want to start off this episode with a disclaimer we are very white Mm -hmm. and we so we know that what we talk about and our experiences, especially in the last week, we absolutely know that they are nothing compared to what Black and Indigenous people of color have been going through the last few weeks, especially, Mm -hmm. but also for their entire lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we would never want to compare our pain right now to the pain of Black people, Mm -hmm. and we would never want to diminish anyone's feelings or experiences. I mean, as white people, we have white families. A lot of our friends are white. We may have a primarily white audience. Mm -hmm. We also want to really reach them, so we we would never want to diminish you by trying to teach other people what's happening or telling our experiences, explaining our experiences from the week and how we're feeling and all of that. Yes. Because we we completely understand that your pain is is a lot more than what we're going through in a week exactly actually i saw this one post and it was like so people who are activists right now if you're sad if you're upset if you don't know what to do if you're tired and exhausted and depressed and just remember that it's only been a week people have been through this for 400 years yes i was like ah it's only been one week and they've been experiencing this their entire life so yeah the least we can do is talk about how we can help them yeah exactly and like you said i think a a lot of our listeners this honestly might be some of our listeners this honestly might be the only Place that they hear about this issue unfortunately yeah. so we'd like to do what we can and try not to step on too many toes in the process totally and i know that we're so su- we're definitely 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 supposed to be prioritizing the voices of black people right now everyone should be listening to them and watching videos made by black people telling us what they need from us what we can do better and help them. But I also think that it's definitely important for people who may be more closed-minded, for white people who aren't convinced, to hear it from white people, unfortunately. Yeah, because... To hear it from people that they know. Mm-hmm. Like you say, it just that might be the only way that they listen, unfortunately. Yeah. It's just the damn truth. Did you want to get started on that video yeah. that was sent to you? Let's get right into it. So, <laughs> I was sent a video, I'm not going to say by who, but you know who you are, <laughs> and it's of a woman named Candace Owens, and I don't know too much about this woman, but it became apparent to me that she's some kind of media personality, she has a biggish platform, um, she's a black woman, and she posted this video, and it was 17 minutes long, and I swear to you I could not get through the first 11 minutes and I had to this sounds so dramatic but I I had to force myself to watch the last seven minutes because it was six minutes it was um 
yeah, it was not good. It was horrible. And she was basically making all of these crazy, delirious statements. This is a black woman, everyone. Making these statements about George Floyd and her focus was that George Floyd was a criminal and we, the black community, Mandy's oh my gosh. shook right now, everyone. <laughs> We're on Zoom and her face is... She's angry because the black community is upholding him as a martyr for the Black Lives Matter movement when he was in fact a criminal and, according to her, not a good person. And she's angry that he's become this symbol for the Black Lives Matter movement. Basically, my response was that, okay, we could really spend a ton of time getting caught up in the nitty gritty, but in reality, what happened to him was unacceptable. Yes. And it doesn't matter if he was a criminal or not. Someone stepped on his neck for nine minutes. And that doesn't mean that systemic racism doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. Like, we're still fighting systemic racism. And I wanted to talk about the response video. So thankfully, I found this response video by a man named Ryan Davis, a black man, on Facebook Live. It's still available on Facebook if you look up Ryan Davis. And he had this incredible response to Candace. It was like 20 minutes long. He basically started out by saying, yeah, I just need everyone to understand that Candace is is not of the culture, so it's very important for white people who are just very quick to grab any form of evidence they can mm-hmm. against the Black Lives Matter movement. Mm-hmm. This woman is not accepted into the black culture. This woman, this is Ryan Davis's words, she was taken under the wing of white people who told her that, wow, you're, you're not like other black people. Oh, man. And she was like, you're right, I'm not. And she quickly became the opposite of what the black community stands for. This is still his words, I'm just paraphrasing his video. So she, I'm just gonna go through some of the points here because some of you may have watched it and either way, if you, even if you haven't, these points are really good Do you for think white people. This, you would have come across this original video if the person who sent it to you didn't send it to you? No, yeah. probably not. And I just and think of how many, like we say, social media is an echo chamber. How many people who think that similar way have seen this and taken that woman's opinion at face value and run with it, like you said. That's yeah. scary. But I thank goodness for this response video. Yeah, well, definitely that came up on my feed, and I don't think the the racist video would have come up for me. Mm-hmm. So I'm happy that I found this comparison. Mm-hmm. So basically, she was making these crazy statements, like maybe it's because more black people are criminals that we're getting assaulted by police and arrested, and more bl- more black people are criminals proportionally. And I just had a heyday with that. First of all, this isn't necessarily what Ryan Davis says. This is what I said. Mm -hmm. So my response to this was, first of all, black people do not have the opportunities or the privilege that white people have been given. They do not. So even if more black people are criminals, there is a reason why they are criminal. Because they experience redlining. They experience discrimination poverty and that's because of white people and that's because of white people Mm -hmm. and people may turn to desperation because there are some times where the only way you can break the cycle of poverty is to do something that maybe people white privileged people look down on Mm -hmm. maybe you're so desperate that you need to feed your family that you need to do something that a person who's wealthy and privileged wouldn't do because you're that desperate and you need to feed your child or feed yourself Mm -hmm. so redlining for people who don't know i just this is a lot of the things i've learned in the last week alone redlining is basically mapping out areas of a neighborhood where black people can live and where they can't live so if people were redlining, that means black people literally do not have access to certain neighborhoods. Black people cannot live anywhere they want. Sometimes they can't access loans, so they can never start up a business or get a little extra money to help themselves out. So they're denied loans, they can't get houses where they want, they're stuck in impoverished neighborhoods, they're stuck in a cycle of poverty. And Ryan Davis said in his video, more black people are also criminals because they are stopped by police more, or they are, yeah, they are committed into the prisons and incarcerated 
more often at larger proportions than white people mm-hmm. are. How did you react to, like, did, what was your response to the person who sent it to you? You can, I don't, it's up to you if you want to put this in here. Oh, I'm just yeah. curious. Oh, I have, I could read the text word for word, but I ripped them to shreds. And? I just said, like, and they haven't responded yet. Oh, no. So we'll see. <laughs> I I was not having it. I, uh, I sent back all the info that I could that I knew offhand, and then I sent him the response video, so. Well, that's, yeah. that's good that you didn't lose your shit, at least. It's hard. It's, uh. Yeah, that's what I am. part of the thing. I mean, we'll get into that later, but I'm having trouble with keeping my cool. And it, I think that shuts people's minds quicker, and they just don't want to listen to you, and you react that way. And I'm just trying so hard to remember that. It's yeah. <laughs> difficult. I didn't get too aggressive, but I just hit them with all the facts. I was like, this is woman is delirious. Like, no, it's just false. It's just not right. Sorry. She also said that the black people are the only group that lifts up their lowest, meaning they make criminals into heroes and a martyr for a movement. Oh, man. I was like, um, no. (laughs) And Ryan Ryan Davis says, we literally have, he's from America, Mm -hmm. we literally have slave owners on our money. We have statues erected of them. We have streets named after them. We think fondly of these people. We look up to them. We think of them as national heroes. For instance, when Thomas Jefferson wrote the Declaration of Independence, he had a slave at the time. So he knew that the Declaration of Independence wouldn't apply to him. This is what I learned in my podcast this week. Oh my god. In 1619, yeah. He had a slave, and Abraham Lincoln... When he wanted to abolish slavery, he wanted to abolish slavery, but he wanted every black slave to leave America. So he wanted to kick all of them out of America. Wow. Slavery. Yeah. So they are not good people. We have to stop looking up to these old white ancient racist men as heroes. Mm-hmm. Like that is the problem here. And that in itself is I'm like so heated right <laughs> now. That in itself <laughs> like just shows it's a literal symbol on the money, on the statues. Like it doesn't yeah. you don't even have to dig that deep when you realize that you can just look at a dollar bill and see that, you know? Doesn't that just seem wrong that only white faces are has anyone ever stepped back and thought about that? Like why are there no colored faces on anything like that Mm -hmm. like we only honor and talk about old white dudes who are dead i'm curious about canadian money didn't we just have a woman put on one of our one of the bills well obviously we have the queen on our loonies and shit but she doesn't count she kicked megan out of the castle we're not we (laughs) i don't stand Viola Desmond. She's on the $10 bill. Viola Irene Desmond was a Canadian civil rights activist and businesswoman of black Nova Scotian descent. In 1946, she challenged racial segregation at a cinema in New Glasgow, Nova Scotia by refusing to leave a whites-only area of the Roseland Theater. It was John A. MacDonald before her. That's what I thought. Like, literally the worst... December 2016, she was chosen to be the first Canadian woman to appear on the Canadian $10 note. So the next point, and one of the last points that she made, and when this woman said this, I was so angry. She said, oh yeah, and police brutality is a myth. Ooh. Ryan Davis obviously addresses this in his video and says, well, no, that's, you know, that's just not true. Yes. (laughs) That's... That is false. He said you can ask any black person about their experience with the police. He himself had one police brutality incident and his father had two that he witnessed. He said you can ask anyone. And I just think it's it's really important for us to listen to black people. It's really important for us to trust black people. Because if we don't believe their experiences, that's like the whole point of this movement. We have to start believing their experiences with racism and police brutality and trust. We just have to, there's just no choice. We have to Mm -hmm. believe them. Why wouldn't we believe them, right? Well, especially when there's endless videos, especially right now with all the protests and riots going on. It's insane. Yeah, literally countless videos of straight up murder like i've seen people being murdered on camera a lot this week which is a whole other thing um extreme violent and one video of a little white girl looting a van store that's the only video of looting i've seen and i've seen about 300 of 
police hitting people with batons. Yeah. So, yeah, it's not there. Don't let them stand for the movement, people. Like, white people looting a store is not the Black Lives Matter movement. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not. And so many videos of black people, like, ripping bats and shit out of white people's hands so they don't break the store windows, so they don't go and steal things because they're like, can you stop, please? Yeah. This is what people are seeing on the news. The people who own the stores are saying that it's okay because they're standing with this movement. Mm-hmm. Like, if something gets a little bit damaged in the midst of a riot that creates change, they just have to stop focusing on looting right now because that is not... There's so many reasons why you shouldn't be focusing on it, but the whole point is that it's not the point. This looting is a byproduct of a riot, and you cannot create change without riots. That's history. Peaceful protests don't do anything. Mm-hmm. Does anyone think slavery would have been abolished without people rioting in the, rioting in the streets and like people were bleeding in the street? The systems that are in place to oppress black people will not go willingly. They will not change unless the people put pressure on the system to change, unless they get threatened, unless we riot. That's the reality. So everyone, I'm talking to you white people, We need to stop the focus on looting because there are a lot more pressing issues happening than a few white people damaging storefronts because they're idiots and they're taking advantage of the situation. Mm -hmm. Totally. And that's the thing too. These types of people who are arguing that, they don't probably even, they assume that the, the looters and the rioters, the looters mainly, are all black people because they're not looking yeah. into it at all because they're just watching fucking Fox News. Mm-hmm. And it just really seems like there's two types of people in this situation. And when people like decide to make that argument about looting, about rioting, when people are dying mm-hmm. at the hands of the cops who are supposed to protect people. I can't believe that that would be what anyone would enter the conversation on. Yeah. Like that's not the issue. Why are you yeah. even why are you even making it an argument when the police are killing black people? Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. It is crazy. Like why is that your main concern right now? Mm-hmm. I was making all these points to kind of come to this video that I saw over the weekend. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you watched it, but I shared it on my Instagram. This amazing woman. She was a black woman. Her Instagram handle is Affirm with it's A F three I R M Affirm Hawaii, and she had this video seven minutes long. Everyone should go watch it. It was just so much yes she was talking about how white people are arguing with their families right now they're arguing yeah i watched that arguing it yeah Mm -hmm. they're arguing about the details and it was kind of in response to this other video that a younger girl named Haley made so it showed her she recorded herself arguing with her white parents so many videos like that starting to surface everyone's like so heated right now and they were arguing about it was a very familiar argument they were arguing about the details and this and that and all these little things and this woman made this video and said you should not be arguing with your white family about all this you should be arguing with your white you should be telling your white family the fact that that we are even arguing about this in the first place that is the problem the fact that you are finding reasons to disagree with the fact that black people should be able to live let's stop talking about looting let's stop talking about criminality Let's talk about the fact that you're arguing against black people having opportunities, privileges, and not getting murdered. Like, that's the whole issue. Why are you opposed to the issue? Why are you finding reasons to be the devil's advocate? Ask yourself that first. Ask yourself why you have a problem with this movement. Maybe you'll uncover some things about yourself that you don't like and that's okay, that's the whole point. You're supposed to get uncomfortable. You're supposed to confront what we have pushed down for 400 years, people. This is not easy. This is a revolution and it's time for everyone to do their part. And I sound like I'm just, I don't wanna sound preachy right now. That's not my intention. I just have personal experiences as many do with people in my life who don't think the same as me Mm -hmm. and I've just seen so many videos of black people just so just asking for help and we just have to ask ourselves why this is such an issue in the first place Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And did she talk about in that video, she did talk about how we need to make a conversation about why is this even a conversation? Yes. But I feel like she did, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like maybe she mentioned something about it shouldn't be an argument about whether black people should be allowed to live. It should be, Mm -hmm. it should be a conversation about like what white people are doing. Did she, did she mention that? Yeah, you're totally right. She said the conversation in a way shouldn't be about black people. It should actually be about white people. Mm -hmm. It should be like, stop talking about black people and what they're doing and start talking about white people and what we're doing and what we've done yeah you're totally right yeah basically just saying to the conversation shouldn't be about whether someone deserves to live because (laughs) obviously they deserve to live is it obvious for some though Mm, i guess not um yeah but But just switching the combo and being like this is our fault (laughs) yeah sorry grandma but like this is because of our ancestors and we're still benefiting from the system well yes and (laughs) us too like it is even just you know little microaggression microaggressions and stuff at the family dinner table this shit is our fault and we need to take accountability and figure out where to go from there yeah and i don't think a lot of other people who are white understand that the whole point is that it is our faults because we are actually benefiting off of a system that oppresses black Mm -hmm. people So it is our fault because we are firsthand reaping the benefits of a system that doesn't give them the same benefit and discriminates against them, puts them into poverty, oppresses them, and murders them. So that's why we are totally responsible. We need need to stop shifting the blame. It's our fault. That's it. Period. Very good point. Thank you. I am so... (laughs) I'm fired up. That's a good one. Okay. It's interesting. We have a lot more to say this week, I think. Yeah, I think we feel a little bit less scared and more empowered because people are like, no, speak up, use your voice, speak up, speak up. Yeah, yeah. Even if we fuck up, I hope to God somebody messages us, messages us and tells us. Yeah. That's the process, baby. <laughs> As many people are this week, um, everyone's, you know, sharing different posts about different resources we can use to learn more about black people and what they've gone through and even indigenous people in canada there's a lot of talk about that right now and how people think canada is exempt from racism which is insanity so we did watch that documentary on netflix 13th oh we have to yeah you haven't watched it yet no i'm going to it's real good um yeah very well done and that was pretty eye-opening it's just about the whole prisons prisons prison system and how it's obviously racist and it gives all the statistics on i think you already mentioned those statistics before about the rate of black people compared to white people in prison and how mm-hmm. it's, it's not just an issue from today like it stems from slavery that was super eye-opening for me too this week realizing that everything is completely stemming from slavery Mm -hmm. and everyone's talking about a lot of different books i mentioned on the podcast last week there's a book called white fragility by robin (laughs) d'angelo and i think this is it's by a white woman and that is why i think it's perfect for people who are really just scratching the surface of this topic and this issue who really need like a slap in the face because she i i got the audiobook version (laughs) and (laughs) the way that the person reading talks just so matter of fact and very (laughs) i don't know what the word is not degrading to white people but very like but like screw you you need to be better very yes slap in the face like i said so and that's been good i've been listening to that at work and I also meant to buy, I'm so dumb, I meant to buy Me and White Supremacy by Layla F. Saad um, as an audiobook, but I didn't realize you could also buy regular books on your phone. So I bought a book to read on my phone, which I've been reading a little bit of every night. And that one's really great because it's not just information, it's she gives you different things you can do in your everyday life to help combat it and different actions you can take instead of just this book of like reading all these facts and just absorbing it and doing nothing with it and she i follow her on instagram now her instagram's great i think i mentioned it Mm -hmm. last week too but she did say if you guys are buying my book and you are getting 
information from it instead of transformation from it, you did not absorb it. So I'm excited like to that. get more into that and see where it takes me on my anti-racist journey. And that's that's all for now. I really want to watch Who Killed Malcolm X. That's our next oh, yeah. watch, and that's on Netflix too. So we're going to do that tonight. I have been listening to the 1619 podcast. I just finished it yesterday. Um, it only took me like a day and a half to get through all the episodes. How many are there? There's six, and they're about... 40 minutes a piece. Oh, nice. Yeah, not bad. Um, I'm home, so I do dishes or get ready or I eat my breakfast and I listen to it. Mm -hmm. It's super easy. I'll work out and listen to it, stretch and listen to it. Oh, cool. Yeah, there's a lot of ways that... That's why I love podcasts, because you can just have them on and and listen while you're doing some kind of mindless it is like chore. i think it's one of the best ways to absorb info because honestly yeah. like many people have made this point during this time of being suggested new books and stuff they're like i'm not a reader i'm like you yeah. don't have to be there's podcasts and audiobooks yeah. and it's way easier for me to absorb info that way me too it is hard you have to practice really hard to have a better attention span yeah so the 1619 is really it's really good everyone should give it a listen it's from the new york times and a black woman narrates and she tells a little bit about her own story and she interviews other people and they tell their stories but it basically gives you a really decent rundown of basically the history of slavery in america so it tells you about the history of slavery it tells you how slavery led into segregation and then segregation led into discrimination and today they also talk about how we've basically stolen black culture and their music i already knew but i learned about it more in depth so we we took their music and it has inspired some of the most iconic incredible songs artists white artists also used to use blackface when performing to imitate black people they wanted to perform their music and they imitated them with blackface so it talks about that horrible did you see some guy showed up to the toronto protests in blackface no yeah the police arrested him there was like thousands of people there and they were all circled around him and filming him oh. and the police were there and yeah they took him away so oh my gosh crazy Anyways. And it also talks about racism. I mean, racism ex is experienced in every shape, way, and form. It's in every system. But they talk about it specifically in agriculture and the healthcare industry. How this one farmer wasn't able to keep up to the other white farmers because basically the policies wouldn't allow him to grow when other people were growing and harvest when other people were harvesting. So he was behind and he lost his farm because they forced him to. And it talks about racism in the healthcare industry, how in America, they literally, what's super eye-opening for me, and, and I do know this, I know that with capitalism, the government and institutions, they don't have our best interests in mind. Mm -hmm. Everyone thinks that the government's looking out for us and certain, you know, larger powers are looking out for us, and they're not. Mm -hmm. Capitalism is about wealth and power, so... It is super outrageous to think that the healthcare industry could have been built to fail on purpose, but it was. So it, it talks about how the healthcare industry in America was built to fail black people on purpose. And many, 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 many black people died when they could have easily been treated. Someone actually went, they were white passing, and they got into an accident or they needed treatment and the doctor began to treat them very quickly and it wasn't until their family came and visited them that the doctor realized that they were black because their family was black oh my god and he stopped he stopped treating him the second he found out he was black he sent him over to the black hospital and it, he died yeah so that was 1619 and gives you a really really good basis of understanding for how a lot of racism has occurred in america I see lots of people are listening to that. It sounds like a really good one. Canada's not that great either. Uh-uh. <laughs> talking about no, America. No, not at all. And I am, 
I've been avoiding Facebook because there's there seems to be Facebook people and Instagram people. Yes. Facebook people <laughs> are like a whole other breed, honestly. Yeah. But one of my black friends shared her story on Facebook, like wrote a whole post. I think you saw it and shared it. The comments people were nice but people were like i had no idea this happened in canada and i'm like why are you i can't believe we even think we can compare ourselves to the states when we're like right above we're like the next thing to the states you know what i mean we're the same entity they just put a border there and like we all know canada has stolen land from the indigenous people we're all settlers yeah whether you're in america or canada you are a settler and you are living on land that has been colonized. It has not been decolonized. So what that means is that we stole the land from indigenous people and the land has not been officially decolonized. So that means that indigenous peoples are still in the minority and they still don't receive the same opportunities and privileges as white people do. So that's why we they're having so many protests about the pipelines and all of that. Mm-hmm. I don't know too much. I'm going to have to do more research before I really get into it. But I know that the coastal gas link pipeline is would be super intrusive on their land and they have not consented to it going on their land mm-hmm. and it's illegal but they can't they can't do anything about it that's racism like they physically cannot achieve anything because the system is set up against them when was this all happening i mean it's still happening but when were people doing the protests and stuff in like january January, what when this was all happening, people live out there. Indigenous people live out there. That's their home. That's their land. Yeah. And they have the RCMP coming up and arresting people who were peacefully protesting, just standing on their land. There was a small victory that my friend, indigenous friend, shared. The charges were dropped for all these people who were wrongfully arrested for being on their land. They're literally being... being... their own land. Because I I even took a class on this. Like, I, in UVic, we had a sustainability course, and we learned about how destructive pipelines can be for indigenous communities. Not to mention that it's kind of under the radar that the pipeline will actually do a lot more damage than they let on. The material in the pipeline is not any safer than the old material they used to use. So people are saying, oh, it's so much safer, it's new and modern. No, it's it's the same. Um, but yeah, if, if a pipeline bursts on indigenous land, their whole town can be wiped out. Their, enti- their homes, they would lose everything. Mm-hmm. That's what's going on with the pipeline being installed even. Like they have to tear down these people's lands and homes. And I remember some comment going around when everyone was talking about this earlier in the year basically about how saying if someone comes and knocks on your door and says they want to put a sidewalk through your house and you say no thanks yeah and they're like sorry you don't have an option then you present them with this elaborate plan where you can still put in the sidewalk it just won't go through my house and Mm -hmm. they're still like nope and then they just kick you out arrest you for being in your home and build the sidewalk anyways And why do we feel such a disconnect from this situation when the only difference is their skin color? Like, we really can't empathize just because we're white? Yeah. Like, we actually have to take the situation and and spin it in a way that white people will understand it. Mm -hmm. That's how sick we are. Mm -hmm. But I like that analogy. That's a good one for people who don't understand what's going on. Mm -hmm. What my friend was talking about at the rally yesterday... I don't know if you saw Chantel Moore, an indigenous woman, was shot five times by a New Brunswick police. Did you see that? That's disgusting. No, just in your notes today. Yeah. The police were called to her place to do a wellness check. People think this doesn't happen in Canada. It happens everywhere. Police have said Moore was shot as Edmonston New Brunswick officers responded to a wellness call in northwestern New Brunswick community. Can anyone imagine police shooting a white woman five times? On a wellness check. And that's why everyone's talking about defunding the police. Not only the American police, but the Canadian police. Because they have this huge budget for who knows what. They hardly have any training. And people are saying if someone who was educated in wellness check, like some sort of therapist or counselor or someone who is highly trained in like 
de-escalating situations. If they were called to that situation instead of the police, she'd still be alive. Yeah. And she had a kid and she had a family. Justice for Chantel Moore. It's on change.org. We'll put a link in the description. 37,000 signatures right now. On June 4th, 2020, an Indigenous woman named Chantel Moore was killed by an Edmondson police officer during a wellness check. The officer claims that the victim attacked him with a knife, so he had no choice but to shoot her. It's not clear how many shots were fired. Canada's police force has a history of killing Black and Indigenous Canadians. It's hard to find statistics on police-led fatalities, as Statistics Canada only reports on fatalities that have led to a criminal charge. However, it's estimated that approximately 25 people in Canada die from fatal police shootings each year. That seems low to me. The information is hidden, too. That's what people have to understand. Yeah, exactly. The systems and the government don't want this information that's why that's why people have to trust books and trust documentaries and trust experiences because the government isn't putting out a little write-up about oh well this is how many black people were killed in canada this year everyone like it does that exist no no you can't reform a system of violence the police are just not effective like mandy said if a social worker went to someone's house if we we have special groups for a reason we have special careers for a reason not authorized to carry a gun Mm -hmm. yeah it just this wouldn't happen the police were actually established because of slavery i don't know if people know that and make sure that there wasn't a revolution and then they just kept them that's in america right that's in america and and now they control wealth and protect white Even in Canada, that's what my Indigenous friend was talking about at the rally yesterday, how that is also why the RCMP exists today. It was to keep Indigenous people on reserves and make sure they didn't revolt. Mm -hmm. Serve and protect. Like, who are they serving? And I just hate to think of... We saw that video of that old man getting pushed over, which was like, oh my god, make me sick to my stomach. I... I thought I just witnessed someone dying. It's one of like thousands out there right now. And then we see that 50 plus officers who were, who worked with those same officers all resigned. And we thought it was because those cops are being dumbasses, but it was because they thought it was wrong that those cops were charged. Were they charged? Mm -hmm. Or whatever, that they were suspended, which is still not enough. Like, what? You're mad because your friends weren't doing their job right? Because your friends weren't protecting people? Because your friends were pushing over a helpless old man? And they nearly killed him? And I just hate to think of all those types of people who are looking at the situation in the world right now who aren't cops yet, and they're like, man, I gotta step up. I gotta, mm. I gotta get on the RCMP. I gotta join the police force. Cause look, mm. look what's happening in the world right now. And it's like that's the exact opposite of what you need to do. I don't even understand how disgusting of a person you have to be for a gr- a gang of police officers to push an old man over. You shouldn't even need one person to do that. There was like a whole flock of them. There's always a flock of them everywhere. There's a group to accomplish one thing. Yeah. I'm like, really? Is that what taxpayers' money is going towards? Yeah. You sitting in a car all day and then seven of you need to go talk to a homeless person and intimidate them or push over an old man and i was reading that the cops lied initially they said that he the old man just fell over that they didn't push him then they saw the evidence because somebody took a video that they did push him and the fact that the one guy who was on the radio lied and then all those other cops who were cops who were literally there to see it happen how many of them were there like it looked like there were 10 cops at least and they were all like okay yep let's all lie about this and then 57 of them they didn't resign from the actual police force but they resigned from that position and can i just say too like even if hopeful young wannabe police officers want to do the opposite even if people are looking at this situation and going i can't wait to be a cop because i want to make the system better yeah so i can't so i so i get to be a good cop and not a bad cop yeah but you have to understand that it's not about the individuals. I mean, obviously it is. But in, in the system, it's not about the individuals that are racist. It's about the fact that the system It was, was built to op- oppress. Yeah, that's the issue. The entire system, everything has to be torn down and rebuilt. Mm-hmm. 
you can't just go in there as one good cop Mm -hmm. and try to change the system because that's not how it works you being a part of the system makes you a bad cop yeah if you willingly enter a system of violence that's i mean that's the whole point of cops this one post that i saw on instagram was talking about how before police were established Mm -hmm. back in the day if someone committed because people this was the post it was like but what about criminals what are we gonna do about criminals if we abolish the police if someone committed a criminal act, they would be served a court date, I believe. And if they didn't show up to the court date, then a group of citizens would go join forces and go to them. And basically, like a citizen's arrest. So the police are actually something that we could do without because we could take care of things in just a different way. Yeah. You know, we we live in a world of possibilities. There's a million brilliant minds in the world. I'm sure we can find a way to abolish the police and have a system that's safe. Um, It would be a lot safer, actually, because cops wouldn't be killing black people. The other thing that I wanted to talk about with the indigenous people in Canada is that, I mean, we literally stripped them. So we colonized the land, committed genocide, and we literally stripped them of all their culture and put them in residential schools. Did we learn about this in school at all? Um, I learned about it for like a day. Yeah. They were like, oh, by the way, we did this thing. And I was like, oh, that's really bad. Mm-hmm. And that says something. If I can't remember it, then <laughs> that says something. It stuck with me, though. And there was a girl in my class who you, who you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and her aunt had been in one. In, in she, a residential school? Yeah. And she told personal stories about that. So in residential schools, they molested children. Oh my god. They stripped them of their culture. They stripped them of their religion. They poisoned them. They made them share everything. Like, they had one spoon, one communal spoon, and they'd give all the children their medicine with this one spoon. So they'd all get diseases. And the important piece is that people think that this was like 100 years ago. The last residential school closed in Canada in 1996. Isn't that crazy? I don't get why people can, like, deny that Canada is not racist when you drop a bomb like that. We were built on racism. Exactly. So was it America. We were literally built on the foundations. America was built on the foundations of slavery. And we were built on the foundations of colonizing indigenous land. And our residential schools were more than a century-long thing, like the 1870s to the 1990s. So what's that, 24 years ago? 24 years ago. I was still... My boyfriend was still alive when a residential school was open. I was too. Speaking of local activism, have you been to anything yet in Victoria? There's one tonight we're going. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. What time? At four. And where? It's at Centennial Square. Okay. Um, so it's like this huge, huge square kind of by Chinatown downtown. So it's like a 10 minute walk for us. Oh, sweet. Has Victoria done anything yet? There was one organized protest that I missed. It was because I didn't know it happened so quickly. Mm -hmm. Basically, the Facebook page for it had, like, when I checked it out, it was 11 o'clock in the morning, Mm -hmm. and it was supposed to be happening that day, and the Facebook page had, like, one person going. And I was like, oh, I think this might just be, like, a failed attempt at creating because no one had any interest in it. And there were people on the streets and people, like, every single day there have been people on the streets or at Parliament. Like, people are protesting every day. That is so awesome. But then that protest that I didn't realize was a thing. At the end of the night, I realized that people had actually joined together and there were, like, a thousand people. Wow. And I was, like, so disappointed that I missed it. But there's a rally tonight that we're going to. And then next Saturday for... Victoria listeners, there's a peaceful, silent protest at Parliament Saturday, June 13th at 6 p.m. Okay. Um, so then we're going to march through downtown with our signs after that. So Are you going to make a that. sign? I'll be there. I think, I, yeah, I think I'm going to for that. What's it going to say? Do you know yet? 
I think white silence is violence. Mine said silence equals violence as well. Yeah. Awesome. So. That's kind of the nice thing about you being in a much bigger city. That's great that there's things yeah. going on every single day. I hope this energy yeah. continues. Me too. We had the march in Chilliwack on Friday. Yeah. I was like, oh dear God, Chilliwack, please come out for this. And was insanely presently surprised. I don't know if you saw pictures. Yeah, I did. There had to be, I don't even, you couldn't even count, like hundreds for sure. I would say at least 400 people were there. Really? Which is, I don't think Chilliwack's yeah. ever come together for any type of protest. No. That many people. That's unheard of. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And yeah, they shut the streets down and we marched from the secondary school to the park. I had told a few people, I'm like, okay, yeah, like, let's meet up. We'll march together because a few people were nervous about showing up. And that's kind of mm-hmm. what I know about attending protests often. I know people are like all amped up and then the day comes and they get nervous and they don't show up. So I'd let people know that I was going to be there to march with them. But then I got there and there were like, <laughs> I didn't expect to not be able to find people, you know? Yeah. And that's what happened. And I was quite proud of this tiny town. And there was one girl I knew, McKenna, who spoke and she was amazing. I shared her speech on Facebook and Instagram. We'll share it on the podcast Instagram too. And it was led by this young girl who just graduated this year. And I was amazed and inspired that somebody that young, she was so organized and so well-spoken and she got 400 people to come out. It's amazing. Especially in somewhere like Chilliwack. Like it's not not only is it small, it's just so close-minded here and people are so conservative here. So that was really cool to see and I think these are great ways to be educated. I think a lot of people feel like they can't come out because they don't know a lot about it Mm -hmm. and I think that's exactly how you start to learn about it and it's important just to stand there and And it's a great way to hear from the voices of Black, Indigenous, people of color in our own community who have experienced racism in our own community amongst people that we know. So that's a great way to learn. And we went to the rally yesterday, Saturday, and that was also at the park. There was a lot of confusion around it because people had caught wave of counter protesters possibly coming so i think that scared a lot of people so then they canceled it and then they said no it's still on so not as many people came out to that but it was still like such a great opportunity to hear from there's just a megaphone and people were passing it around and sharing their stories and sharing how they felt that was another great way to be educated and on the racism in our own community and I think that's that's a way where it can feel really close to home and kind of inspire white allies to do better and to speak up because it happens here and people think that we're exempt from it for some reason. Yeah, so it's great. I'm super proud and surprised by Chilliwack's outcome. We always think it, not us, like how could it be us? How could it be anyone we know? But mm-hmm. it is everywhere and it definitely is a lot more intense and you understand a lot quicker and a lot more when someone that you know tells a story. There's a girl I've been following really closely who I went to school with in Chilliwack and she is a black woman and has been sharing her stories and has been super candid and honest and emotional on her Instagram and I've just applaud her. Uh, I don't want to say her name but if she's listening you probably know who you are. I just applaud you for being so open and brave it's just very it it evokes a lot of emotion when someone that you know talks about how much they're hurting and how much their family is hurting Mm -hmm. and just begging white people to speak up and talk to your white friends who are silent right now yeah i think that's what some people aren't recognizing either is this whole situation is triggering for people of color i'm Mm -hmm. sure and then when people get brave enough to share their stories online they're just reliving that over and over and it's not just they're talking about it because it's relevant it's like this is traumatic shit and they're letting us in on this part of our life their lives where we have the opportunity to grow and learn from and just imagine having people tell you no that didn't happen to you i just wanted to add on to your point about being educated from a rally i think it's incredibly important to listen to young people right now too and start respecting them and stop treating them like children because these young people are doing amazing things they're organizing rallies with hundreds of people 
and they're being educated, they're doing their part, being progressive and open-minded. So I ask the same of you. If you're telling your children to educate themselves, they, they actually already are. They're doing the work. It's your turn to educate yourself. It's, like, for all the Karens out there. That's what I was finding at the march. There was a lot. It was mostly young people. And I guess, obviously, older people are more at risk for during the pandemic and stuff. But I think that just says a lot to see that a majority of the people at the march were all young people. Yeah. And educating yourself, it doesn't include cherry-picking information to find a reason not to support the Black Lives Matter movement. It means educating yourself on anti-racism and the history of Indigenous people and black people. People do not take young people seriously, and that has to stop, because they're actually the ones doing the work right now. Yeah, I just wanted to go over the whole social media is an echo chamber thing, and how we're all following people who, most of us are following people who think the same things, which is great, but that is not how we spread the message and educate others and i've found i've been guilty of that for sure it's great that people are sharing so much information on instagram and stuff but i'm seeing lots of like white people like reposting white people's posts and being like yeah look at this white person's opinion and it's like that is the opposite of what we need right now and i've been guilty like what i've learned this week for sure is that I just need to shut the fuck up and listen more because one thing that I did was I my first post about it was how I was disappointed in the vegan community for like not pulling up and being activists for humans when they're activists for animals and of course that sucks but I think bringing any other kind of topic into it shifts away from what's most important right now so i'm learning to avoid that and i'm also learning i need to stop just canceling people for not posting about it because you know social media is one thing it is what we see but it's not it doesn't show the actions are that people are taking beyond the phone screen you know we don't know the conversations people are having with their families we don't know what people are donate donating to just because somebody didn't post a video of the march doesn't mean they weren't at the march and i've been guilty of just being like unfollowed i can't believe this and if i do that then people aren't gonna probably won't learn about it in other ways Mm -hmm. and i think yeah i need to be more patient i was definitely guilty i kind of went off on kevin this week because he (laughs) He doesn't have social media or anything, so he wasn't very educated on what was going on. Of course, he should be educated, but I definitely went a little too hard, and that's when people are going to stop listening when you're being too aggressive. Mm-hmm. And it's one thing to, if somebody says something blatantly racist, then of course go hard on them. <laughs> and put them in their place but if somebody just doesn't know about something then that's the opportunity to be nicer and be like okay here's the resources figure it out it's really important that we're all educated on this and then they'll be like oh okay i know i think i've done a lot of thinking this week on the same thing and i'm just thinking that it's also not really our responsibility to be telling people how they should do the work. I'm leaving that up to black people, black educators, black creators, black activists. You guys should be listening to them first and foremost, as we should too, like I am, we are. Their voices are the most important to listen to and be heard right now. But yeah, we're not here to, for lack of a better word, police you on how you should be doing the work. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of doing the work. And yeah, I learned the same thing this week, that not everyone is on social media as aggressively as I am, Mm -hmm. and that's okay. It's just important that people don't put themselves in that white echo chamber like you said, because I know for a fact that there are a lot of people who I know, like the way that they are, their lifestyle, and what they post about and what they care about, you know that they're not following a lot of people like me. So I might be the only voice on their Instagram story who's being aggressive and who's being very vigilant about Black Lives Matter and posting constantly all the time. So it's also a good thing to be posting and be that person in your group or community who's not letting up because I know tons of people, especially from our, from my old town in Mandy's town, Chilliwack, mm-hmm. like people 
who probably don't have a single person on their feed who's that concerned with it. And so you have to remember who people are surrounded by and what they're seeing. Like, I'm constantly surrounded by activists, and I've followed and listened to and watched a ton of videos made by black people, whether they're an educator, an activist, a creator, an influencer. I've, I've just really been throwing myself into that and listening to black people's voices, but a lot of people aren't. So it's totally understandable why people don't know as much as other people or aren't as emotional or passionate as other people, but I think it's their duty to, like you said, we all have to educate ourselves and then maybe you'll get to that point because I'm you know we follow each other and we constantly repost each other's things and just feed off of each other's anger and rants and you know we're both very very progressive people but not all of our friends and not all of our family and not all of our followers and community are like that so it's just an important realization to have I and I learned a lot about that this week but I do want to say that if if you are a white person and you're feeling like judged or you're feeling uncomfortable you're feeling offended maybe you should look at the reason why you feel that way if someone calls you out and you get super defensive maybe you should look at why you feel that way instead of feeling apologetic and feeling bad about the fact that you didn't show up so I implore you to think about that too. It's all is, and we're not, God, we're not perfect. I messed up a lot this week. I mess up all the time. Me too. It's just like thinking about all these things in different ways and and how we can get out of, break out of our little uh, fishbowl of vegans and all that. Yes. Progressive people and understand how other people who aren't as progressive are feeling and for people who aren't as progressive to push themselves and follow more people and follow people of color and get out there and experience some different things and look at some different viewpoints rather than just reposting the white people in your town. Yeah, yeah. Some of the approach that I had earlier in the week, it was very, what's wrong with all of you? I'm perfect (laughs) and I'm not racist at all and I have nothing to work on. And it's like, why on earth would I come at it with that approach? Because I have so much to work on and that's the whole point of this whole movement Mm -hmm. um why am i acting like i'm perfect i know we all have to check ourselves and i realized as i went through i went down the wormhole of i was just like just bombarded with posts all week which is what i wanted i was just looking at all these posts all week and i was listening to the podcast and and i was just realizing how much more i don't know and how much i probably don't know that i don't know Mm mm-hmm and so I've been writing down little notes of things that I want to research because I've, I've only scratched the surface, I know for sure. Yes. I know things in general that have happened, but I really want to dive deep into things so I really understand them. That's a good idea I, to take notes. Yeah. And then when people ask me, I can be like, well, this is why. Yes. I'm not just going to give you a surface level answer. I'm going to really convince you. Not that I should have to, but I'm going to convince you that this is something you should be concerned about. I also wanted to mention that white people reposting white people's posts. It's like, do you realize we're all just giving each other pats on the back for not being racist, for doing the bare minimum, for for being what we should have always been? And is it 100% like the best post you could be posting? Like, I'm trying to find posts... If I see a post, I'll look at who posted it first and see what, it sounds terrible, but I'll see if they're a black person. And if they're black, then I'm like, okay, this is a black person's voice. Mm -hmm. This is not, this is not what a white person thinks the issue is about. This is directly a black person telling us what the issue is. And there, there are some white educators too, not to knock their knowledge or anything, but. Yeah, it's important to know who the info is from and not just be circulating white and kind of anti-racist soft things that are like, oh, it's okay to like, oh, it's okay. Oh, don't worry. Like you're doing your best, baby mm-hmm. girl. And like all this stupid white crap that we feed each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, yeah. Yeah. I agree. I was just going to say, if you are going to a march or a protest, make sure you wear a mask and do your social distancing as best you can. Thank you everyone for listening to the second episode of too much we're really really happy to be able to have a platform to do our best to educate people and learn ourselves because obviously we 
we're white people. We don't know. We don't have the firsthand experiences, but we just want to be able to share what we've learned and what black people have taught us and implored us to do. Yes, I hope it's one that will continue and hopefully we get some voice clips for next week uh, and you guys can tune into actual stories from black indigenous people of color in our own communities and see Mm -hmm. what they experience and how they're feeling. That'll be next week, next Wednesday. Yeah, we want to keep the conversation going. We don't want it to just die out like this is something that needs to be ongoing. And we're finding that continuing the conversation, although we have so, 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 so much more work to do. These protests and people talking about it on social media, it's getting officers charged who need to be charged. So people can't say that this isn't effective. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay, guys. Well, thanks again for listening. Thank you. We'll see you next Wednesday. Bye.